Sox fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And uh, if you're a Ducks fan this week, you have to be extremely happy. The uh, Ducks re-signed Hampus Lindholm. They also uh, beat uh, Nashville in a revenge game, uh, you know, for the playoff loss last year. And they also just came off a 4-0 win against L.A. So a very good week for the Ducks. We're going to talk about the last four games that they played in. We're going to preview the games coming up. Uh, we're going to take some fan questions as well. But let's get to the best part of this week, Eddie. The Ducks re-signed Hampus Lindholm to a six-year deal, just over $30 million. Uh, and finally, it's done. Uh, you know, the fans can put away the pitchforks, as we joked about uh, all this week. And uh, we can look forward to Hampus coming probably in a week or so and uh, getting the Ducks' full team back together. Yeah, and... and- Bob Murray's kind of sticking it to uh, Claude Lemieux here, holding out for the, <laughs> the 5.25 kind of team friendly. Oh, I guess you can't even say kind of team friendly. It's a really, you know, really good deal for the Ducks as a team to get. Obviously, it's a good deal for Lindholm too to be here for the next six years. And I think, you know, squabbling over 250,000. Um, although, you know, that does add up to one and a half million dollars over that six-year period. It's, it's still a lot of money, but I mean, in a contract, it, you know, you look at guys we signed for more than that you look at you know that could that was that's bowl more than bowl or sorry less than bowl money less than you know i've seen a lot of tweets saying that so to fight over two hundred fifty thousand for so long was you know a little, a little bit of annoying to watch from the outside but of course it's nice to finally have it done um and, and to have him for the next six years really helps solidify uh, the core that is already here, and obviously the the core on the blue line that's going to be here for the future. So, I think it's important that they finally got it done. Obviously, it would be nice to have him as soon as possible, but of course, he's got to go through the the same visa issues that Raquel had to go through to get here. Um, the good thing is, though, is he's healthy and he's been practicing. There's no injury issue like we saw with Raquel. We don't have to wait for him to come back. You know, when he hits uh, the ice at Honda Center, he'll be ready to go for the next game. So, I think it'll be. Uh, it would be good to get him back. I think we've seen in some games, especially the game in Columbus and a couple of games early on in the season, we can really use his presence back there. And, you know, you look at how this team has performed so far, 4-4-2 four, four, is, isn't great. But when you don't have arguably your best defenseman and one of your best forwards in the lineup, you know, to, to do that, to have that record this far in the season, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I agree with you, Eddie. I mean, the, the Ducks started out not so great, you know, losing a majority of the opening games, but uh, they've turned it on, you know, in this last uh, stretch of games, which we'll talk about here. But, uh, you know, I have to tell you that I'm just extremely excited with the way that the deal went down with Lindholm. I mean, obviously it didn't get done in the summer like we wanted. It took too you know, long, just like with Raquel. They both took during the summertime, which um, we had hoped that they were both going to be the ones done first, and instead they end up being the two that are done last. But at the amount of money that was being talked about, you know, over the summer, we heard Bob McKenzie talking about between five million and seven million, and then it got narrowed down more to five and six for the Ducks and, and Murray to get this deal done with Lindholm at five point two five million. I mean, I was shocked. I really thought it was going to be five point five, five point six, you know, maybe somewhere in there. So. 
I just think that this is a huge win for the Ducks. They're able to keep everybody on the team for now, which we'll talk about that later, too. We've got some fan questions um, talking about future trades. But as far as the situation now, um, having Thompson and Dupre on long-term injury reserve, you know, they created cap space of just over $5 million, which was just enough to get Lindholm done. And uh, I just think that this was a win for everybody all the way around, Eddie. Yeah, like uh, they're sitting at just over one in 1.4, I think it says, per cap friendly with the long-term injury reserve so him signing for for that you know lower than what we expected definitely helps their flexibility uh we've st- you know in in realism without the long-term injury reserve they don't have any cap space but you know you having that flexibility and unfortunately with the prey getting hurt it actually helps out the team in that situation and getting Lindholm signed and like you said it gives them a little bit more time to decide if they're going to make a trade or not um, and obviously we're going to get in that, into that a little bit later here, but you know, it, it, it's great. I mean, we talked about when this all started way back uh, and, you know, around the draft and even before that, that, you know, we would expect him to get at least five and a half, if not closer to six. Um, and you look at, especially even, even when Mr. Lining got signed, I was like, he's a, like, Bob McKenzie said that we said it like that's probably the minimum he gets is five and a half. I you know him getting anything lower than that would be ridiculous to to, to even think of. And then he comes out and he gets two hundred fifty thousand lower than that. I think that's a, a huge win for Bob Murray and, and for the Ducks. And you know to to for you know as much as we said it, <laughs> you just got to get this guy done. You got to get him signed. Don't worry about the price. I think it was it's uh, kudos to to Bob Murray for sticking to his guns and, and getting him for the price that he got him for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, Murray gets criticized here and there for some of the deals that have done in the past. And, you know, we know that he's not perfect, but I have to be extremely happy with the way that he got things done with Raquel and Lenholm. I mean, both of those were deals that took a while to get done. And at least, that you know, they finally got finished. And, you know, maybe not exactly when we wanted them to get done, but <clears throat> they're done. The team's going to be complete. Obviously, we saw Raquel come back last night, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. Lindholm will be back in a little bit. But uh, let's look at these games this last uh, week or so. You know, the Ducks, uh, you know, they started out obviously losing the uh, opening four games, and then they beat uh, Philly and Vancouver. And uh, then they went on a short, you know, flight to Northern California against San Jose first before coming back home. And the Ducks played in this game. Um, and unfortunately, they lost this one, Eddie. Uh, you, you know, this game was a tight game against San Jose. San Jose scored first. Um, you know, Wagner uh, got on the board again, which is great to see. You know, he's starting to score some goals uh, on in a Ducks uniform, not a Colorado Avalanche uniform. So uh, that was good to see. But uh, unfortunately, he had a pass deflected in the overtime, and uh, that led to uh, San Jose winning this game. Uh, you know, the Ducks did pick up a point, but uh, kind of a missed opportunity here. You know, you would have liked to see them, um, you know, get both points with uh, you know San Jose ahead of them and playing pretty well this season. Yeah, I think they did well to to hold on in this game. They struggled, you know, even with their dominant effort in the faceoff dot, they struggled to generate a lot of shots in this game. You know, they 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 hit well. They out hit San Jose uh, thirty six to eleven. You know, they won sixty one percent of the faceoffs. Um, they they limited the the amount of giveaways they had, uh, but they just couldn't generate shots. They only got twenty shots on net, and I, I mean, lucky enough that that Wagner got a goal and they were able to get a point in overtime, but. Their effort offensively just wasn't there, and it looked like they, for most of the game, they were just trying to hold on 
and, and to, to at least get to overtime and get that point and you even saw it in, in the last like 10-15 seconds and Votnin was just holding the puck behind the net and, and they were trying to kill off the time to get that point. So I mean obviously it's great that they got the point. You would like to get two and obviously you know to lose on, on you know I guess a giveaway by Wagner in overtime is disappointing but you know, I think it, in all in all, it was it was an okay effort. It wasn't great, and, and you would expect to you know see a better effort against a team like San Jose and and where these games were they're pretty much you're playing for four points uh, in the in the long run. But I think grabbing a point and and you know getting at least the something out of this game, I think, was good for them. Yeah, and and you know the other part of this game that was kind of unfortunate is uh, you know Bernier went out after the uh, first period of play, you know, and uh, he hasn't come back yet, um, which we can kind of talk about now, but uh, they've had to call up Tukarski, you know, um, to back up, and he even backed up last night in L.A. So Bernier was out with the upper body injury. They didn't really say what play it looked like that, you know, could have happened on, but there was the um, the goal that was scored by Pavelski, which, you know, this is the one where they replayed it. It looked like the post came off. And it was questionable. I, you know, I didn't like the call, honestly. If you go back and you look at this play, I mean, I don't think it's a goal. But the way that the NHL works, and, you know, you and I have talked about this on goals from before, is whatever the first call is, it almost always stands unless they have, you know, 100% conclusive evidence. But on that play, uh, we can talk about that and uh, Bernier. Bernier, you know, made some crazy uh, block and kind of, bent in a weird position so i'm thinking that was the play maybe where he got that upper body injury you know i'm not sure 100 i'm just going back looking at all the plays in the first period that was the one where he kind of you know just got bent in a weird position so i think that's where he got hurt and uh like i said the goal you know i don't know i i thought the post was off before it went across but um you know if the first call is made and, and they can't uh, overturn it conclusively then that's the call that stands yeah and it's a weird call we've you know, I haven't. You don't see it often, um, but you see it enough that you can kind of see how awkward of a of a decision it can be for the refs at times. Because, I mean, it it seems like uh, from from me watching it is that it, the peg just has to be touching the the net itself, and and as long as it's still touching it, if the puck crosses the line, it goes in. It's a weird one because the net could look like it's off or it could be crooked. Even then, even with it being still touching the 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 post and. You know, then then it would count. I I'm not too sure if it's a rule they're gonna change in the future. I wasn't happy like you with, with the call either. I think, you know, if the net's off and, and crooked like that, it, it shouldn't count even if it is still technically in, in the peg by a small margin. But you know, obviously it's disappointing that one the, the goal does get called and two Tukarski. I mean not Tukarski. Sorry, Bernier gets hurt on the play and we have to call up Tukarski. Because it makes, uh, you know, we'll talk about it when we, we go into preview of the games, but it makes today's game against Pittsburgh, uh, you, you know, we could see Gibson again. Well, you know, you never know. Uh, I mean, the way he's been playing lately, obviously, it's, you never really see, especially in today's NHL, you know, Herrera said it yesterday, you don't really see uh, a goalie play back-to-backs anymore. So, you know, Tukarski, you would assume, would play today, but you never know, especially with how Gibson's been playing lately, especially last night. Yeah, and, and that's a you know a good point because the Ducks went to San Jose. Uh, they they played this game, lost in overtime. Gibson came in, basically played two thirds of a game, you know, plus the overtime. The Ducks go back home. They play Nashville, you know, the next day, and Gibson starts. And this is the you know the payback game. You know, obviously Nashville knocking us out of the playoffs. 
Um, the Ducks come out in this game. Uh, they play well in the first period. You know, they get one goal uh, by Richie. Uh, again, Richie's also starting to score too, which is good for the Ducks. And, you know, after the first period, it's one nothing. You're thinking, okay, you know, good. You know, Ducks are doing well. And then <laughs> second period comes along, and, I mean, the Ducks just blow out Nashville. I mean, you have Silverberg gets two goals right away. Uh, Perry and Cogs both get goals. You know, they, they both lead the team with four uh, through uh, last night's game. And, uh, you know, Kessler adds one in there, too. And, I mean, the Ducks just destroyed Nashville in this game. I mean, they won in the faceoffs. They were three or four on the power play. I mean, uh, aside from last night's game against L.A., this was the best game that the Ducks played in the season. I mean, they just steamrolled Nashville. And, to me, this was impressive, Eddie, because Gibson played in back-to-back games. Uh, you know, the, the team played as well, obviously, in back-to-back games, losing to San Jose. And then to come home and, and take it to Nashville – um, you know, after, of course, last year's playoff loss, which we don't really want to talk about that, but they came out and they did what they needed to do. And they, this was a big statement game for the Ducks, Eddie, and they really uh, they really lit it up the, in this contest. Yeah, and, and they got scoring from all throughout the lineup and, and from both sides of special teams. I mean, they got two shorthanded goals and three power play goals in this game, which was huge for them, obviously. And they, and they obviously get the one-on-five-on-five, on five, but, you know, everybody – had a point in this game except pretty much the fourth line and then and then Wagner. Wagner didn't have a point, Edom didn't have a point, uh Bull and Cramarosa, but other than them, everybody else had at least one point. Um and I think, you know, Silverberg had a great game this game. Like you said, he had a power play goal and a, a short handed goal. Cogliano had uh, a a short handed goal as well. Kessler uh power play goal. Richie had a power play goal and then Perry gets the uh the unassisted one on on five on five, and I think this is you know, up to that point. This was their best game of the season so far. They dominated in, in every aspect. They outhit them. Uh, they you know they they obviously did a lot better on the power play. Their penalty kill was okay. They they dominated in faceoffs again, which we've seen you know all season so far. So I think this was just a, a great game by them. They come out in the second period and and have one of the best second periods we've seen them play in, in a long time. I think second periods have been such an issue for the Ducks over the last few seasons. To see them come out and score five goals uh, in a second period and kind of put that to rest was was great for them. And I think, you know, th- this has to be their their best game. And it kind of set the precedent for the next, obviously not the Columbus game after that, but even with that game, I think they they came into it later on. But you see some of that, uh, some of the same style of play when they, when they go into, and they went to play LA last night. Yeah. I mean, I was impressed really in the second period. I mean, you know, uh, Pecorine gets knocked out of the game. I mean, you know, I wish we could have had this as our game seven last year. I mean, this is the way that we needed them to play. I mean, the Ducks um, just destroyed them. I mean, I, you know, I, I thought the Ducks would come out strong and play them hard, but you know, with Nashville getting PK Subban and and having their team still, you know, not too much different from last year. I mean, I, I still thought this was going to be a you know pretty competitive game, and then. The second period, I mean, the Ducks just went nuts. I mean, I remember sitting there trying to get all the the videos in time because every time it was like, you know, go, 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 go. I mean, there was just that span there uh, where they had, you know, uh, three goals and, you know, just over four minutes uh, to break this thing wide open towards the, uh, the end of the second period there. And, uh, I mean, you saw Fowler getting some assists as well, and, and he's doing well in the team. We're going to be talking about him and this whole uh, Lindholm situation coming up as well. But, um, yeah, this was a great game, uh, especially back-to-back, uh, you know, traveling back home and winning. 
and uh, just all around a great performance. And and seeing all those power play shorthanded goals, um, setting that kind of record, you know, I mean, that's just crazy when you when you see a team get that many special team, uh, you know, goals, especially shorthanded. I mean, you you have to look at Cogliano shorthanded. Um, I mean, he's just amazing. You know, you you see him out there. He's always chipping the puck away, beating the guys on the way back on the counter punch. Uh, and it's just huge. I mean, Cogs is just a machine shorthanded. I mean, I, I just it just cracks me up. It's it's almost like you know you just rather have him on, you know playing shorthanded than on, on any other situation. But I mean, that's just the way he is. He does great. And um, you know, the Ducks looked really good, and then they uh, had uh, Columbus come uh, on the following uh, Friday. There, two days after. And then I just don't know what happened, but the the first period in this game, Eddie, was just it was just like the reverse of that duck second period. They just got blown out. You know, the first ten minutes wasn't so bad. It was zero zero hockey, and then they gave up four goals in four minutes, yeah. and they just couldn't recover in this game. It was pretty much just four minutes of the game where it just yeah it just didn't go their way, and then from there on, Bobrovsky stole the show for them, and he. Pitch them to a thirty-five save shutout, and I—I I mean, it—it it wasn't a—the you know, it's hard to say that it was it wasn't the worst game of the season because they did lose four nothing, but really they they played a solid game for fifty-six minutes, and, and yeah. then they they had a stretch of four minutes there where they just couldn't handle them, and, and Columbus just punished them. They were they were quicker than them. They they were getting to to the front of the net. They were wide open. Uh, I mean, there was the one shot that Brandon saw have. I mean, nobody was stopping that. I mean, that was just a great shot to the top corner. Um, I mean, it hit the camera. It went off the post and hit the camera. There's nothing. Yeah, you can they had to review it. Like that. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not yeah. much you can do on that. Um, but, I mean, it happens. Uh, there's times where one team is just that much better than you for a small period of time, and, and the Ducks were just very, very unlucky where they they got scored on four times, and it's hard to come back for that. And and when you have a goalie like Bobrovsky that like Columbus does, uh, I mean, he's been great so far this season, um, and he was just unbelievable in this game for them, and the Ducks just couldn't get... They just needed the one goal to get back into it, and they just couldn't get one by him. And obviously it's a disappointing loss, especially coming off beating uh, Nashville 6 nothing, but... Uh, I mean, it's just kind of four minutes that just killed them for this game. Yeah, I mean, Saad with the two goals in there, Gagne with the two goals in there. I mean, they just they just took it to the Ducks in the beginning of the period. And then, you know, after that, I mean, the Ducks, you know, they played better in the second and third. They just, uh, you know, they just couldn't get anything going offensively. You know, they didn't have too many, um, you know, quality chances. I mean, they had 35 shots on net. They, they still won on the faceoffs. Um, zero four on the power play couldn't get that going. Um, you know, even saw Tokarski coming in this game. Uh, you know, in the third period uh, with about ten minutes left, so he got a little bit of action. Which, you know, after this game he went down and then he came back up again because um, Bernier uh, practiced the last couple of days this week, but he wasn't ready. So uh, Tokarski uh, came back up and he uh, backed up uh, Gibson in, in the Ducks uh, game against LA last night. And I mean, it's just kind of been up and down these last couple of games. But you ha- you have this game against Columbus where <clears throat> you know nothing goes right in the first period, and the Ducks play you know a little bit better. Uh, still can't punch one through, but uh, then they go to LA, and then it's it's just the, also another uh, great game by them. They they um, <clears throat> outplay them 
you know, not too much in the first period. I mean, they get the one nothing lead just like they did against Nashville in the first period. And then this time the Ducks, they turned it on in the second period. And that's where they, t- they really took it to the Kings, which, you know, I was a little surprised. I mean, uh, you know, the Kings have been without Jonathan Quick. But they've had uh, Budai playing in net, and, you know, his goals against was 1.99 entering this game. Uh, the Ducks only had 21 shots on net, but they really took it to the Kings in this game, Eddie. I mean, physically and on the scoreboard. Yeah, and the Kings are just a, a weird team to, to watch play this season. Obviously, without Jonathan Quick, they, they, they I mean, with him, they even, they, they lost their first three games of the season. Uh, Budai comes in, and they win their next four and then now they've been shut out in each of their last three games <laughs> and it's just it's just a weird team to watch right now and the ducks took advantage of that last night i mean they dominated in the faceoff dot they didn't put a lot of shots on net but the shots that they did have on that you know boot i had no chance and and you know they just played a great solid game last night and you know obviously raquel coming back in his first game we were talking in in a, a little group chat before the game we're like well I mean, we don't really expect Raquel to go out and do a ton tonight. You know, he as long as he just comes out and plays a strong game and shows that he's ready to go, then that's fine. And then, I mean, he showed that and more in this game. He scored a goal and grabbed two assists as well. And, you know, the first two points he had were just uh, were great plays. I mean, he had uh, a great shot off the, the circle after Ryan Kessler won the faceoff, and he made a great pass out to, to Vermette, who all he had to do was tap it in in front of the net. And then even the play on, on Camarosa's goal, it was a, a great little one-two in front of the net that allowed Camarosa to get the speed he needed to wrap it around and, and bank it in off Martinez. So, I mean, just a, a great season debut for Ricard Raquel and just a great you know game overall for everybody. Yeah, and in this game, you know, we had talked about this before, how when the Ducks had played the Sharks recently, there had been a lot of fights and, you know, physicality and all this stuff, and, and the Duck games are always uh, physical against the Kings, but there hadn't been as many fights, and then in this game, it, it went crazy. I mean, you saw Bowl dropping them, you know, right away early in the game. Um, you saw later on, uh, the Kings got frustrated, they went after Gatsloff, and then you basically had a line brawl, and you had everybody picking a partner and going at it. Uh, we posted all those videos on Twitter and whatnot. You can check them out and in the game recap as well. And, I mean, <laughs> the Ducks just frustrated the Kings last night. And, uh, I mean, it was just great to see. And, I mean, they just beat them they, physically and on the scoreboard. Um, you know, like you said, Raquel, you know, he helped out on three of the four uh, Ducks goals, uh, scoring one and assisting on the other two, which was you know great to see. Um, it was interesting, too, in the lineup because uh, we'll talk about that. We have a fan question. But in this game – you know, Raquel played with Vermint, which was being talked about, and he played on the wing, which is what we had suspected, but it was kind of interesting, Eddie, in this game, because Vermint played center, and Raquel didn't play left wing. He played right wing, actually, technically, so that was kind of interesting to see. I mean, you know he can play all three positions, but, you know, usually he does left wing or uh, center, so that was kind of interesting, but, I mean, it worked out. Um, he had a great game. I mean, obviously, the Ducks are happy to have him back. And uh, Camarosa getting his first NHL goal, so congrats to him on that, too. You know, it wasn't the prettiest goal, but you know what? We don't really care. I mean, those are the kind of goals that the Ducks need. You just got to get the puck in the front, throw it at the net, and get a deflection. I mean, and and that's what the Ducks, uh, sometimes they don't do enough of that. And I think if they can, you know, create more plays like that and get goals like that, it's going to help them uh, down the road in in this uh, season, Eddie. Yeah, and I think 
you know, it, we'll probably see Raquel. I mean, Randy said it at the end of the game, too, is we'll see Raquel in a couple of different positions to for the next few games until they find out where they really want to play him. And I think he played good on, on the right side with Matt, and I think he played good on, when uh, Richie went out with the, the Twins on the left side. So, um, I, you know, I think it's... I think it's a, I guess it's not a smart move. I think it's an obvious move to play him on the wing right now with how well the Ducks have been on the faceoff dot. I don't think you want to take Gatsloff, Kessler, or Vermat out of the center of the ice. I mean, Vermat actually had uh, a bad game in the faceoff dot for once last night. He was only 43%, which is surprising with how good he's been lately. Um, but, I mean, if he was on last night, the Ducks probably would have won about 75% of the faceoffs, which would have been ridiculous. But I think uh, you know something that might have been lost in this game, too, though, is is how good John Gibson was in this game. I mean, yeah, the Ducks won 4 nothing, but they got outshot 30-21, to and, and John Gibson stopped you know every single shot in this game. He had a shutout, and, I mean, he stopped some pretty good chances, too. So I think it's great for him to get going, especially with Bernier out. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if he goes again today. I mean, obviously he's had his struggles against Pittsburgh in the past. It's tough to come out and play a back-to-back. Um, but, you know, obviously with, with no travel and, and, well, with limited travel, obviously, yeah, coming from way. L.A. to, to Anaheim, <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. pretty much like playing two home games back-to-back. There's a good chance that he could play today. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how high on you know they are on playing Tukarski today um it'll be interesting obviously you don't want to play Gibson and then he gets hurt and then you've got Tukarski as your number one guy right now but it'll be interesting to see how they kind of go in and handle this game today yeah I mean we'll post the stuff obviously throughout the day uh you know maybe Bernier is ready to go today I don't know I mean you know we haven't heard obviously he you know wasn't good enough last night so I don't think that's going to change so I mean, Gibson did pretty much go back-to-back with uh, San Jose and Nashville. So he may go again tonight. But like, like you said, if there's any team that Gibson does not play well against, it's his hometown, you know, Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I don't know what it is, but he just does not play well against them. So maybe Tukarski does get the call. But that, another thing in this game against the Kings that we saw, and we'll have to update and monitor, is Nick Ritchie. You know, he took a very hard hit where his um, head got slammed against the glass. Um, which also started some more of the fisticuffs and whatnot in this game. So Richie had to go out, and uh, like you said, Raquel went up with the Twins in the third period there. So hopefully he's not banged up too bad. You know, he he didn't come back and play uh, after that in the game. So that that's something that we're going to have to watch as well. And and that would be unfortunate because you know he's already gotten two goals. Um, you know, in just a handful of games this year, as opposed to you know last year when it took him forever to get two goals. So he's been playing better. Um, and uh, we'll have to, you know, provide updates with that as well. But uh, overall, other than that, it was a great game for the Ducks. Like you said, Gibson, um, you know, shut him out, made some great saves here and there. Uh, you know, 30 shots, it's nothing to, you know, sniff at. You know, he, he did great. The offenses did great. Um, the Ducks, uh, I liked the way that they were standing up for each other. He even, uh, I was joking, you saw Bieksa go in there with the uh, the Vulcan death grip in his fight. <laughs> it was pretty funny to see at the end there when he was basically grabbing, the, I forgot who it was, but he was grabbing the guy on the, on the back of the neck. It was hilarious. So, um, you know, great night for us, you know, and if you're a Ducks fan, you're going into work today and you've got some uh, co-workers like I do that are Kings fans, uh, it's a nice day to walk in and go, hey, how about that game last night, you know, and watch them probably roll their eyes and whatnot. But uh, that's that's the way the Ducks need to play. And, um, you know, what's good about these games too, Eddie, is when it does bring out the best of the Ducks. And I think this was the perfect game for the Ducks uh, after playing Columbus and, and, and losing that game, to come out in this game and get re-energized, I mean, I just, I just think it's huge, especially going into this next week's games. 
Yeah, and hopefully with Raquel coming back and eventually Lindholm coming back, you can build on that and get even better. And I think that's what they need right now. Obviously, since the 0-3-1 start, uh, you know, we look at that Columbus game, we're like, oh, uh, I mean, they went 2-1-1 in their last few games, and that Columbus game was kind of a, you know, a blotch on, on, a, on a good record. But they've been 4-1-1 in their last uh, six games. They picked up points in five of six, and I think that's great for them uh, after starting 0-3-1. You know, the record doesn't really show it, obviously, them being 4-4-2 and uh, two right now. But I think with the last six games and how they've played, even, you know, putting in the Columbus game into factor there, you know, they played great hockey for everything but four minutes. So I mean, it it's been uh, it's been a great last six games for them, and I think uh, hopefully they can go into Pittsburgh today and continue it. It's obviously tough to play a back to back, especially after playing a, a physical and, and and you know draining game like against the Kings, and then having to go and play the Stanley Cup champs. It's it's a really hard back to back to have to play. But I think uh, you know they it was good that the game went the way it did last night. Uh, they were able to rest a lot of the top guys for, for most of that third period. Um, so I think that they'll come out a little bit fresher than you normally would in a game that's like a 2-1 or a one nothing type of game. So I think um, if they can get off to a, a good start here and hopefully hopefully pick up to two points in this game, it will bode well for the next few games where you know they're playing a lot of teams who are struggling right now. They're playing Arizona. On Friday, they're playing Calgary at Honda Center on Sunday, which we know is pretty much a guaranteed win when you play Calgary at Honda Center. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go on a little bit of a road trip and play uh, play uh, Columbus, who you know, hopefully a redemption game there. Uh, they play back-to-back and play uh, Carolina on that Thursday and then play Nashville to end the road trip on the Saturday. So I think it's... Uh, uh, you know, after Pittsburgh, you've got five games, which, uh, you know, if you're, if they're on a roll from there, I think five games that they have a real good shot at winning. Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously the game against Pittsburgh is going to be the most difficult one. Uh, like we said, back-to-back, you played a physical game against L.A. Uh, you know, Sidney Crosby's back, and it's the Stanley Cup, you know, defending champs. I mean, so, I mean, it's going to be a tough one tonight, I, I really think, against Pittsburgh. I mean, if the Ducks can... Uh, pull this one out like you said after that it, it's a little bit easier sledding uh with arizona on friday and then calgary on, on sunday which you know knock on wood we don't want to say it but it's i mean it's automatic uh i forgot what the record is but it's like 20 something plus games i think in a row that the ducks have beaten calgary i think they've beaten calgary at anaheim since like the stone age or something like that but <laughs> i mean they've pretty much taken it to them so I mean, but no games, uh, you know, given. But you do have to like the Ducks' schedule after uh, the game against Pittsburgh. I, I really think that, you know, that they can, uh, you know, make some headway in the division here because you're going to be playing some teams that, you know, they're not doing as well as you said. I mean, you look at Arizona; they're at the bottom of the division. You know, they're three and six. Uh, you look at Calgary, who's four, six, and one. They're not doing as well either. Both of them have negative goal differentials. And, uh, you know, they're teams that the Ducks should beat. So, I mean, you can't look past Pittsburgh. Obviously, you've got to go into this game full force, and, and it's going to be a battle. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh's 6-2-1, and one, and uh, they're not as good on the road. They're, you know, 1-2. and two, So the Ducks, you know, can hopefully take it to them. But uh, I think the key is if the Ducks just play like they did against L.A. last night, um, they'll be fine. I mean, I you know I don't expect them to be as much you know as far as the fisticuffs and whatnot because it's Pittsburgh. But um, if the Ducks play you know their same physical style and do what they're doing, you know, making the good passes, not giving up too many solid scoring chances, uh, and, you know, the faceoff 
it's, it's going to be interesting too because I mean you know Pittsburgh's a pretty decent faceoff team too so that's going to be a key in this game as well but you know I look for the Ducks um, if they're going to drop one though I mean you know I, I I mean I don't want them to but I mean Pittsburgh would be the one I would think any of these next uh, three games here that's going to be the toughest yeah for sure but um you know we could potentially see a lot of goals here you look at Pittsburgh and I mean they're 21st in goals against per game they're letting uh, an average of three goals per game right now so that's something that we could look to exploit hopefully obviously Marc-Andre Fleury has been good for them this season he'll most likely go today they didn't they didn't play uh, their last game was against the Flyers and it wasn't yesterday so they'll be able to put him in that um, and, uh, you know, obviously the, the big thing with them right now is their power play. They're fourth in the league, so I think the, the key for the Ducks tonight is, is to stay out of the box, and I think they'll be good there. Um, but we could see a couple barn burners in the next few games. I mean, Calgary, um, their goals against average is 3.55. It's fourth last in the NHL, but they've, they're scoring 2.8 goals per game. Uh, I mean, that could be a pretty uh, big game for the Ducks as well. And then you look at Arizona, they're the worst team defensively in the NHL. Um, and then they have also scored three goals per game as well. So they're sitting uh, near in the top ten for for goals per game. So a little bit of a uh, uh, you know I mean, we're used to it against Calgary. We always usually see like a five, <laughs> yeah. six, five, five, four game. So we'll probably see that again. Uh, but for Arizona, it could be the same thing as well. Both Calgary and Arizona are kind of in the same spot. Uh, defensively, they're pretty poor, uh, but they're scoring a lot of goals, and, and their power play, their sorry, their uh, special teams are, are bad on both sides of the game. So I think, like you said, uh, the toughest game will definitely be Pittsburgh. There are no easy games in the NHL, but I think with how Arizona and Calgary are struggling defensively right now, the Ducks can take advantage of that. And these are four-point games. These are two big games, uh, Pacific Division games that, you know, at home you should be winning both of them. So if the Ducks can come out of this. Uh, a little bit of a, a three-game homestand and, and have at least two wins here, I think will be big for them. Yeah, exactly, and I agree. I, I think two out of three is what you expect, and if they do three out of three, that'd be fantastic. And you know, at this time, we'll you know get to the fan questions because it goes into all of the stuff that we're talking about now. And um, you know, we looked at the first ten games this season. The Ducks are four, four, and two. And uh, we have Darren ask us a question about Carlisle. What do we think about his performance thus far? And, uh, you know, I actually talked about this um, on a show last night, klbc.org, um, the Jay Money Show, which they had me on there last night. We were talking about this and, and what we thought of uh, Raquel, I mean, excuse me, of Carlisle and his performance so far. And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of in the middle of the road, Eddie. I, you know, I, I don't think he gets an A. I don't think he gets a C. I kind of think he's, you know, B, B minus somewhere in there. I, I think, you know, with him... Coming in, obviously there was, you know, some anxiety with some of the fans because he'd been on the team before, you know, and, and left in the, you know, uneven terms and whatnot. And, uh, you know, there was some concern. And I think the way it's gone so far, is it's been pretty good. I, I think not having Raquel, not having Lindholm, um, and going with what he's been working with and, and you know, Bernie being out here for a week uh, as well, I think he's done pretty decently as the coach. I mean, he's put the lines together. He hasn't jumbled them up too much. You know, we've seen Richie with the twins, and then the Kessel lines went back together. He's really only had to mess around with the third and fourth lines so much. Um, the defensive pairings, uh, you know, obviously he had to change up when Dupre went down earlier in the season. But I'd say overall he's been doing pretty good as the coach. You know, I, I mean, I think there is room for improvement for this team. But, I mean, compared to last season going 1-7-2, I think you have to be pretty happy with the Ducks, you know, after those first three or four games, 
um, like you said, going 4-1-1. One, and one. So I'm pretty happy with the way Carlisle's performed so far. I mean, it's an early season. It's only 10 games. You know, you have 72 more to go. But uh, I like what I see so far. Yeah, and I think, you know, a big thing is he's gotten uh, a lot out of Getzlaff and Perry and what you would expect to get out of those players. And, you know, they both picked up points last night as well. So I think it's it's huge to get, you know, a good start out of those guys. Um, and they've also got depth scoring from Cogliano and from Fowler and from Silverberg and Kessler so far from the beginning uh, part of the season here. So I think, I mean, like you said, you can't give him an A, I don't think, because of the start that they had, the 0-3-1 start. Um, but after that, they've been they've been great in the last six games. Like we said, of, of course, barring that that little uh, stretch there against Columbus. But you know, I, I think they've been they've been good, and I, and I think he's been good. And I think being able to solidify two solid lines to to start the season there with the the Richie line with the Twins, and obviously the Kessler Cogliano Silverberg line. I think that was huge for them to to get that chemistry in there right away. And uh, you know, you look at how good. The, the gets off Perry and Richie line has been especially possession numbers so far this season. I think that's huge for them as well. So it's nice to see that, and, and I think he's been good so far. And if they can continue the, the the recent success that they've had, I think it will bode well for them. And I think you know this is a team that that's going to compete and do well. And I think that you know if they can keep playing the way that that they're playing, they're going to have a good season. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think the biggest key too is uh, you know the way that they've been doing in the faceoff. They've been killing it. You know, they've been first in the league almost the whole season, which has been huge. And now, not only do they win the faceoff, they possess the puck and get the forecheck going. And when they're doing that, I mean, they're winning the games. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, yeah, that you know the puck possession analytics stuff. Of course, it's important. Um, you know, if you have the puck more than the other team, I mean, I mean, it's not a sure thing you're gonna you're gonna win the game, but you're definitely gonna have you know better chances. And that's what the Ducks have been doing. And we know that Carlisle's big on special teams. Um, the power play has been doing pretty well. Uh, the penalty kill has been you know so so. Depends on on how you know the game's going. They're doing okay, not not terrible, but they can improve there a little bit. But um, I think that's the key is not changing up the lines too much, building the chemistry. And uh, that leads us to another question that uh, Mike asks us about. He asks, you know, with Raquel coming back, what do we think that the lines will be? Well, and I would have said before last night, I would have said it's still going to be, you know, the Twins with Richie and then the Kessel line, of course. And, and now we have to see what's going on with Richie and find out what, you know, his situation. But if Richie's okay and he and he stays where he's at, then I, I like this third line that they had last night, Eddie. I liked Camarosa, Vermette, and Raquel. I mean, they, they did well. They had a lot of chemistry. You know, you saw Raquel with three points, Camarosa getting his first goal, um, you know, Vermette getting on the board too. I mean, I, I like that line. So um, I think that that's what the Ducks should go with, uh, you know, unless Richie's going to be out. But I would keep those three together. And then obviously the fourth line is is the line that you you know obviously rotate around. But you know last night it was Garbett, Wagner, and Bowl, which is probably what you're going to see, um, you know, unless uh, they bring Sarvosa back up or you know Edom or something like that. But I like how this third line works, and that's what I would go with for now. Yeah, I, I think it, it works good. I mean, we talked about possibly playing Raquel at center and pushing Vermette down to to the third. Uh, sorry, to the fourth line. But I think how they played last night worked out. I think. You know, Vermette's a good enough player offensively um, to, to put with Raquel, and obviously he's defensively re- responsible. That gives uh, Raquel a little bit more freedom to, to do what he wants and be more creative, and I think that's good for him 
Uh, I mean, uh, playing him with either Kessler or Vermette could have the same uh, the same effect. But I think, obviously, with that how well that Kessler line's been playing, it makes sense to play him with Vermette. And obviously, he can either play right or left, so that gives you a little bit of freedom if you want to switch up Cameron and play somebody else on that line as well. But I think they all played really well last night, and you saw that in, in the way that that line played. It was the best line of the night. Raquel scored a goal. Vermette got, uh, had a goal on the power play from uh, Raquel, and then obviously... Uh, Cramarosa got a goal on an assist from, from Raquel as well. So I think that line was the best last night. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see it be exactly the same uh, today. It's, it all, Like you said, it all depends on if Richie is ready to go or not. But I think even if he's not, um, you know, we, we might still see that line together based on how well they played last night. It'll be interesting to see what they do if he isn't ready to go. Yeah, they may have to call up somebody else, you know, and and that's been kind of the hot topic this last week or two. I know a lot of people have been uh, following uh, the call-ups and, the, and all that, and uh, that was kind of another part to uh, Mike's question. He also asked about the lineup when Lindholm comes back, which it's a little bit simpler, but, you know, we've seen Theodore going up and down uh, either the five freeway or the train. I don't know what what he's doing going between San Diego and, and uh, Anaheim, but he's been going up and down, uh, you know, because of the cap issues and and uh, whatnot, and how the Ducks are, you know, kind of, you know, on that borderline. It seems to be the reason why he keeps coming up and down. But I think that's going to be put to an end. You know, Lindholm will come back. We don't know exactly when. Uh, you know, we hope maybe by this weekend. If not, you know, next week depending on the visa issue and then and obviously flying back. But once he comes back, I mean, that's really going to solidify the defense. I mean, you have Fowler and Manson. Um, Stoner's been in there with Botnan. You've seen Bieksa in there. So, I mean, I think those are your top six you're going to see. Um, I, I think Theodore would go back down so he can get more of that playing time, obviously. And then, of course, the Ducks have Holzer as the seventh guy that can come in. Uh, I don't really see too much of an issue on the blue line. I mean, that's pretty much, I think, what you're going to get is probably Holzer and uh, Stoner rotating in here and there with the other five guys. I mean, that's kind of what I see, Eddie. I don't really see uh, too many more changes going on, uh, which will be a good thing because we keep getting these you know, recalls and reassign notices and all this stuff, and maybe that'll kind of, you know, pitter out here for a little while. Yeah, you you would think so. I mean... Uh, it's not like Shea's played bad, uh, and it's not like he doesn't deserve to be up here, but I think it makes it a lot easier for the Ducks that one Lindholm is back and ready to play that. You know, Shea goes down and, and gets some top-line minutes playing in the AHL. I mean, if he was to play up here when, when Lindholm comes back, he'd be playing third pairing. He'd be getting maybe 15 to 16 minutes a night, and I, and I think he... You know, he will benefit more from playing 20 to 22 minutes down in the AHL. So I think that's what we'll most likely see from him. You know, obviously, uh, if there's an injury before then, then we, then obviously he'll stay up. But it, it makes sense to have Stoner uh, and, and Holtz be the six and seven guys for now. Um, um, and then eventually, you know, if a trade is made later on in the season, you can call Theodore back up. Or if an injury comes comes up, you can call him up. And you look at how Montour is playing down in the AHL, too. It looks like he's almost ready to get a couple call-ups this season, too. So I think the Ducks are are, are pretty good on the blue line right now. I think they're, they're, they're not going to have a lot of issues for this season, even if there are any injuries. Yeah, you know, speaking about Lindholm and trades and all that stuff, <clears throat> that's really the hot topic now with this team is since Lindholm has, you know, come back, uh, you know, not not quite officially. I mean, obviously in the next week or so. But with him coming back, the cap issues and whatnot, 
We had several fan questions about trades and the deadline. What are the Ducks going to do next? How are they going to handle the situation? We had uh, Alex threw out some trade proposals. He said, you know, what about the Ducks trading Fowler, maybe getting some top draft picks? Um, you know, he also mentioned Bieksa and Stoner. Um, and we also had Garrett ask us a really great question about this, too. He said, hey, is Fowler still going to be a Duck come the trade deadline? And, I mean, these are these are the hard questions. That he, I, I mean, these are the tough ones. I think... If I was Murray and I was trying to make some deals and I was trying to, you know, move some people around, yes, I would love to keep Fowler and Lindholm, of course, and and those are your, you know, guys that have been doing so well. And you'd want to try to move a Bexa or a Stoner or even as a prey, but I think all those guys are are too difficult to move. Unfortunately, I mean, we saw Stoner go down on waivers. Uh, you know, the Ducks tried to make that move, obviously, see if someone would pick him up. Of course, no one bit the bait on that. Um, Dupre, I hate to say it, but unfortunately, he's damaged goods right now with the concussion issues, which, you know, we still don't know if he's even going to come back, which is just a sad situation for him, you know, outside of the world of hockey. I mean, just health-wise, you want to see him get, you know, better and not have these uh, symptoms of what's going on, which is just unfortunate for him. But, you know, no one's going to go after him because that he's got to deal with all that stuff. Um, and you look at Bieksa, obviously he has a, a bigger contract that you'd want to move. But um, he's told Bob Murray that he's going to waive his no-movement clause for the expansion draft. But I don't see him doing it for trading. So, I mean, what does that leave you with? It all comes back to Fowler, unfortunately. And, and that's not what you, you know, wish or want. But he's been playing so well. And it seems like that's kind of the name that's going to you know be hanging out there maybe till the trade deadline Eddie yeah and it really this is the only one that kind of makes sense like you said that that can really happen right now nobody's going to take the prey with the injury and the concussions and everything like that nobody uh well nobody can really take BX unless he waves his no move clause and I don't see him doing that like you said for a trade um and and we've you know we've seen them try and drop stone to waivers and get him picked up and I'm sure they even they most likely attempted to trade him at one point as well uh, before uh, Lindholm was signed, and, uh, and and that didn't seem to work out. And you know, those are really your only three options other than trading Fowler. So it, it really just comes down to if they need the cap space, he's the most likely guy to go still. And obviously, it's nice to have him right now, and he started the season great for him and, and everything like that. But you know, you look at uh, some of the things that Alex proposed. He said, you know, you could either move Fowler in a pick or BX and Stoner in the same thing, or you could move Theodore and Montour. And I think, well. I mean, I think all of us would love to to definitely keep Theodore and, and and for sure to at least give him onto a shot before you you end up trading him and before you even see what kind of defenseman you have. So, I think it just makes sense uh, for to trade Fowler in the long run if you do for one need a score near the trade deadline and two you need a little bit of cap cap relief come that time. So, obviously. Um, it's something we won't see happen now, and I think that's good. I think the Ducks can can get on a roll and, and be good right now. But you know, come the trade deadline, do I think Fowler is going to be a Duck still? I, I honestly don't. I I think if they need goal scoring and if they need the cap relief, he's the guy who's most likely to go right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, with the way he's playing too, scoring goals, <clears throat> playing solid defense, doing great on the special teams. I mean, it, it, like you said, if the Ducks need cap space and they need an offense, that's the way to go. The only other situation that I could see is if Dupre is unable to play, the Ducks buy out his contract, they would still have some of that contract against the cap. I, I don't know exactly how much 
Um, but there would be some against the cap there. And if the Ducks decided not to bring back Nate Thompson and trade him, you know, that maybe there'd be enough wiggle room there. Might be still a little bit, you know, uh, over the uh, cap space there. They'd have to figure it out and maybe make some other minor move or something like that. But that's really the only other, you know, option I can really see is that they do something like that um, to to keep Fowler on the team. You know, and, and right now the way the Ducks are doing in the faceoff circle. Uh, I like Nate Thompson, but they really don't need him back. Uh, not now, at least. I mean, obviously it's a long season. There can be injuries and everything. But when you've got Vermette, Kessler, and uh, Getzloff, I mean, they're killing it in the faceoff circle. You know, Vermette was 70% entering last night. Now he's a little bit less than that. And then you've got Kessler and Getzloff just under 60%. I mean, those guys are killing it. And now you've got uh, Wagner and Raquel that can come in and take faceoffs as well. I mean, both of them, they're a little less than 50%. But... Um, you know, Nate Thompson isn't as you know valuable to this team right now. I'm not saying that they shouldn't bring him out, they shouldn't keep him. I mean, don't get me wrong; he he he's much better in the faceoff circle um, than uh, Raquel and, and uh, Wagner are. But it's in terms of overall with the team and the center depth, I mean, there's a possibility that maybe they move him, and uh, you know, with to pray they they buy out his uh, contract. But I, I don't know if that would get him enough either. So. It's a tough situation, Eddie. I mean, that's really the only other alternative other than trading Fowler. Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, realistically, I think Thompson probably comes in for Cramarosa when, when he's good and ready to play, and, and he most likely lines up as the fourth-line center, and then you've got probably the best center lineup in the NHL uh, uh, in terms of when, being able to win face-offs and, and, and having Getzloff, Kessler, Vermette, and, and Thompson. You've got guys right there that can easily be over 50% on, on, on any given night. So I think that's the most likely situation. And, and you got to think, too, when Thompson does come back, and you know somebody does have to go down. So you don't feel the full force of uh, of the $1.6 million. You know, if, it, if it is, for example, Cramarosa, who does go back down, you do get the relief of Cramarosa's 700000 So, you know, Thompson coming back is only about $900,000 extra. Um, but, you know, obviously that, that still puts them over. They're going to have a lot of issues there. Uh, buying out Dupre, I think it's a tricky situation because of how many years he has left. Uh, I mean, he's still under contract with the Ducks until 2021-22. Um, he's making $3.7 I'm not exactly sure either how the how much money he would... Uh, how much money would be, would be going to like the against the salary if they did buy him out? Um, you know, you look at the the only Ducks player that is bought out right now that's kind of against the cap is Mark Fistrick, and you know, it's about four hundred fifty thousand that's going against the cap, and his salary was uh, probably under a million. So uh, you can imagine how much is going to go against the cap if it's three point seven million. So um, I don't think it's something they do, um, but. You know, it is an option, like you said, and, and if they don't want to trade a guy, that's a possibility for them. And I think another thing to factor into all of this, too, and, and this is what Crystal asks us about, is the expansion draft. You know, that's coming up, too, and that's going to have to play into this as far as what the Ducks are going to want to do. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, I had talked about Murray about uh, Bieksa, and Bieksa said that he would waive his uh, no-movement clause for the expansion draft, which... Uh, it's actually in the rules, you're, you know, they're allowed to uh, make that move. Um, so that way, you know, they can go with either option A or option B in the expansion draft. And, and we know that the Ducks are, they, I mean, not for sure, but I'm pretty sure they're going to go with option A where they're going to protect um, seven forwards and three defensemen. So when you look in the forward situation, 
it's kind of a no-brainer. Obviously, you've got the big three, Perry, Getzloff, and Kessler. They're going to keep those guys. Uh, Raquel, Silverberg, Cognano would be the other three. And then most likely the seventh one would be uh, Wagner in this group um, that the Ducks would keep in the forwards. Um, you know, uh, in terms of defense, that's where the issue comes up here because even with the Ducks um, having BX and waving that, now you got to protect three. And, I mean, this is tough. I mean, you've got Lindholm, Fottenen, Fowler, and Manson. I mean, those are the, the four that you'd really want the Ducks to keep. So, I mean, it kind of leans towards that notion of what you're talking about, Eddie, because if the Ducks trade Fowler, and they could bring in another forward, and then obviously they would protect Lindholm, Botnan, and Manson uh, because those are you know, the big ones that they'd be concerned about. So, you know, the whole expansion draft thing plays into this too, and I, I really think it points towards what you're saying that, you know, come the trade deadline, it, it, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it all comes back and points to Cam. Yeah, and you're right. Uh, I mean, you, you you look at the forwards, and it's going to be Perry Gatsloff, Kessler, Raquel Silverberg, Cogliano, and then the seventh. Um, it could could either be like you said, Wagner. It could be Vermette if they do want to keep him. Um, you know, Richie doesn't count because he he's still in the entry level, and he won't have to protect him. Um, and then on defense, it's it's obviously Lindholm, Vatnin, and then right now it would be Fowler. And then you know you look at the guy, and then obviously Gibson and Nat. And you look at the guys who are unprotected that a team will most likely take, and you would assume that out of the guys on forward and the guys on, on defense, you would assume that the most likely guy to be taken is Joss Manson. I don't think anybody really wants to lose him right now. Um, so it, it's an interesting situation because if you do go out and you trade a guy like Fowler for forward uh, for a top six forward, that is your seventh forward who you now can protect, and then you can still protect Josh Manson. And then I think, that's a better layout. I think that's a layout that the Ducks would rather have than to lose a guy like Josh Manson for nothing. So I think that's still a possibility. Um, and like I said before, do I still think Fowler's going to be a Duck at the deadline? Uh, personally, no. But I think it depends on a lot of situations and, and how the Ducks are playing. There's a lot of hockey from now into the trade deadline. There's a lot of things that could happen. Uh, if the Ducks are scoring goals for fun or if they're in the top half uh, of, the, of the league for goals per game, I think the that he could still be here um but you never know i I mean there's like i said there's a lot of hockey between now and then uh there's a lot of things that are going into this decision uh like how the ducks are playing expansion draft like you said and a lot of other things so it'll be interesting to see how they deal with this but i think the good thing right now is that they don't have to deal with it right now and they can focus on just playing hockey yeah i agree i mean they're going to focus on playing hockey right now he's still got november december january pretty much before you know something has to be done uh you know the timetable for nate thompson to come back they said it was february march somewhere in there i mean we saw him come back sooner last time so you know maybe maybe january but uh you know at least the ducks <laughs> have those three months before the trade deadline to look over all this figured out um, like you said it's a long season um players underperform players overperform players get injured i mean you, you know we saw last year the duck season took so many turns um i mean it was crazy it was like taking a ride at disneyland i mean they're just going up and down and all over the place i mean uh, you know it was like going on space mountain with the ducks last year i mean you just didn't know which way they were going to turn because of so many um injuries last year and right now you know obviously there's a couple other dealing with now like we talked about bernier and uh richie unfortunately and Dupre, of course so 
and we're just going to wait and see. Uh, the Ducks are going to focus this next three months. Um, they're playing better right now. You have to be happy with the way that they've done in these last six games, winning you know uh, four of them. And uh, with that, we'll be back next week. We'll do another podcast. And um, you know, this podcast this time around has also been sponsored again by uh, Sons of Hockey. Uh, check out their T-shirts at sonsofhockey.com. Um, they've got a lot of great stuff on there. They've got stuff not just for Ducks, but their other teams as well. So check them out and, and see what they got on there. Um, Josh runs that uh, website. He's a good friend of ours, and uh, uh, I can't speak highly of him uh, anymore. I mean, he's a good dude, and, and check out his stuff. And uh, for those of you that were at FanFest, too, I appreciate it. I saw a bunch of you out there. It was a good time. We, uh, we got rained on, but, you know, it was fun. Uh, light drizzle. And uh, we'll see you guys around at Honda Center the next week, and let's go Ducks.